Yo, what up? My name is Brene and welcome to Life Boulevard. This podcast gives my guests the opportunity to share the life story about mental health, addiction, or any other type of life obstacle. Real stories from real people. So in this episode, you get to hear my guest story about his addiction, how it started, the obstacles that he went through, and the journey that it took to beat it. See, addiction is not something that happens overnight, and it's not something that you could beat overnight, but beating the addiction is doable. Hopefully you like this episode. Now let's get to it. All right, so today my guest is Rick. Um, he's going to be sharing his story today. And uh, before we start, I just want to say, hey, Rick, how are you doing? How's everything? I'm doing good. I'm blessed. That's good. That's good to hear. So we talked a couple of days ago. You you accepted the invitation to, to come to the to the podcast. So you give me like a little bit of, uh, of a summary of what you were going to talk about. And it sounded very interesting. So at this point, where do you want to start? Let's start from the beginning, I guess. Okay. All right. Let's start from the beginning. So, so that, that walk me through, like walk me through, put me, put me in the, in the, in the, in the, in the setting. Okay. Uh, well, let's just start with some basic information about myself. I'm 50 years old. I was born in Sonora, Mexico. I immigrated to the United States. Let's say when I was around four years old, I grew up a pretty normal life, you know, went to school, got good grades, had a loving family, was, was raised by my mother and my stepfather, had three sisters, uh, three brothers, large family. But uh, pretty much I lived a normal life, went through school, got in a little trouble here and there. I was a mischievous child, but I wasn't a bad kid. And then I got into high school. Once I got into high school, I kind of fell in with some bad, with the, the bad crowd. What I mean by the bad crowd, the rebellious kids, you know, started smoking cigarettes, smoking pot, ditching school. But before you knew, before I knew it, I got basically, I had gotten kicked out of school, a little fighting, but mostly from ditching school. And so I started working while I was suspended. And also in the summers, when I was around 16, 17, met a girl before I knew it, was, I was having a baby. And I was a young father. After that, you know, in my 18, 19 years old, uh, I continued smoking pot. And then I, I started, well, like you say, you always, uh, it's, a, it's a gradual step up. Before you know it, I was doing hard drugs in the, such, in the form of meth and a little bit of drinking. And before you knew it, I thought I knew everything and I started using more and more drugs. Okay. Fast forward a few years, uh, I got divorced. That was due to just, you know, I was a young father and I just basically, I wasn't ready for that step, that commitment. But anyways, I don't want to blame it anything but besides me and my habit that I had I got into drugs and I before you know it I was a full-blown addict and that's basically kind of I want to share with you guys how someone becomes an addict they don't just become overnight you don't become an addict and just uh how you say it uh, a person that can't function normally you it's gradually you step by step and but before you know it it gets out of control and it's a spiraling effect on your life so we go a few years more before I know it. I start getting into, uh, you know, crimes because any drug addict, before you know it, you start doing crimes. I mean, I did some a couple burglaries, stuff like that. Never robbed nobody. I never started, you know, I never used a uh, like a weapon on that. No, uh, no bank robberies, nothing like that. Nothing really hard. But I started my life there. Before you know it, like most addicts, 
we figure out a way to get the drug cheaper and faster. So I started basically selling drugs. And like I say, I, I don't want to, you know, say I was uh, anybody of importance. I was just a low level kind of a drug, drug supplier. But I mean, I was nothing large. You know what I mean, I don't want to. Some people say that, you know, when they start, uh, they start talking about their lives saying, yeah, I was somebody. I wasn't nobody special. I was just an addict. And uh, bottom line, that's what a lot of people don't realize that when a person's an addict, they're an addict. I mean, whatever they do, if they do crimes or if they uh, supply it, at the end of the day, they're just an addict. And that's what happens when you start doing drugs. The more you, uh, the, the more you get involved in it, the more and more you need it or the more and more you use it. And before you know it, you start letting everything in your life just go astray. Jobs, uh, family, relationships. And that was my problem there. Okay, so let's fast forward some more. Before you know it, I caught a case and uh, I went and did some time. Nothing really, nothing really extensive. A few months. And of course, when I came back out, I got back on drugs. And through the years, I always uh, found, my, found myself in trouble in the sense with the law. If I wasn't incarcerated, I was on probation. And uh, those times when I was incarcerated or on probation, of course, I gave up drugs. But as soon as uh, I was like not on paper, that's how they call it when you're on probation or parole and you're allowed to have, you're not, someone's not controlling you like a probation officer, parole officer, you either you quit drugs for good or like me, you go back to them. And that's what happened there. So let's go further down the line a little bit longer. I once again get back into the drug thing. And I, I don't want to glamorize drugs because it's nothing glamorous about using drugs. But what I'm trying to get is to a point to eventually where I'm going to show some light on it. But anyways, I got incarcerated again, this time for five years. Okay. After I got out of there, unfortunately, I got deported. Like I said, I wasn't, ra I wasn't born in the United States. So I basically... I had the American dream, like people say, you know, over here, but I went ahead, uh, I got deported, okay? And like a lot of people, when they get deported, they uh, they try to blame someone. They try to blame the president. They'll say Trump, Obama deported me. No, I deported myself. But after I got deported, I found myself back in Mexico. And before you know it, I found myself back on drugs, okay? But after that, it came in time in my life where I finally said, you know what? Enough is enough. I want to change. So I put myself through a Christian rehab, which was good. And after I went through that Christian rehab of 17 months, I finally quit using drugs. But what I'm trying to say is here is for longest time, I kept doing the same thing over. Like to say insanity. That's, you know, the definition of insanity is trying to do Try and have a different result and doing the same things over and over. So that's what I was doing at first. Uh, I wanted, I never quite got off drugs because I never tried something different. And finally, when I came over to Mexico and I put myself through the drug rehab, I found a change. I found Jesus Christ, which made me change my life because I finally wanted to. For years and years, I never ever could stay off drugs for more than a certain time. And that's because I never tried something different. I continuously did the same thing on my own accord. And that's where people, I think, 
they never try to change it. They never try to do it or never want to do it for themselves. I finally wanted to do it for myself, but also I knew I needed a higher power. And so I decided to change my life and turn my life over to Christ because I know, well, through God, everything was possible. There is a chance. There is a, you know, it may not be that person that we're speaking about, the, the, the addict, it may not come through Christ, but that's an easy way. But until you really want to change your life, you're never going to change it. But at the same time, I feel for people because there's a redemption. And uh, for the longest time, you know, everybody knows what redemption means. It means to redeem, to basically be, be forgiven, to uh, change your ways. The, the question that I have, when, when you went through that 17-month rehab, what was the most difficult part of going through that? A lot of times when people, when someone tries to help you, the hardest thing about going through that rehab was having someone tell me, you know, how to change and accepting it. it well, a lot of times people have problems accepting advice uh, from someone else who might know better because we always seem to think that we know better. And I understood that for all those years that I basically traveled uh, through addiction, I never wanted to hear someone else's opinion or their advice. And of course, even when I was going through uh, probation, all that, I, my talk to me, I never wanted to hear someone else's, you know, ways. I always knew, always wanted to do it Rick's way. And that's the problem that a lot of people have is we want to do things our own way, like I was saying insanity is repeating repeating the same process and hoping for a different outcome if we don't let someone else help us if we don't have a higher power or allow someone to help us we're never going to change so that that that's really good because i i think sometimes we know we do need other people's um, help to get through difficult times and and i can understand where you're coming from when sometimes we we want to be we want to do it on our own for for whatever reason we don't want to hear it we don't want to be told what to do but sometimes I think it's it's good to have that support system because going through an, an addiction, it, it could be very difficult. Uh, your body craves it, you know, your mind craves it. And and you just want to go back and back and back, even though you we know that addiction is bad for us or that addiction is bad, our body craves it. And, and it's like it's like instant gratification. Like we yes. do what we do, and then like we feel bad after we do it. But then it's like, you know what? Because I feel bad, I'm gonna go do it again so I could feel good for about you know, five, 10 minutes, however, however long it lasts, you know? Um, so it's, it's really interesting that you say that because I think a lot of people go through it. Um, and it's, and it's like, uh, I think part of the 12 steps is, I think 12 steps is it right. It's like, yeah. we have to admit that there's a, there, there's a problem, you know, within, I, I don't, I don't know the exact lines, but there's a, there's something there that's taking, it's overtaking us. Like it took, it took us over. So now that like, yeah. we're struggling with that. So I totally, I mean, I, I know, I know where you're coming from. So I, I know um, it's, 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 it's a, it's a challenge, but I had another question. So regarding the, um, how you started with pot, what made you want to try other drugs? Was it peer pressure? Was it something that you were curious or was it just available? And you're like, Hey, I'm going to try it to see, to see how it works. A little bit of all of those, uh, basically, one peer pressure, yes. You see other your friends and all that. That's how I got started on pot, and that's how most people do. Is they see a friend who says, "Here, I got something," and then also uh, the same way. Let's call. Let's take an alcoholic. 
an alcoholic doesn't start on Jack Daniels and Jim Beam to start off. They start off with a beer here at a cater, uh, maybe a drink off their parents' beer when he's not looking. But we, it's all gradual. The same way that when we try to get off drugs or alcohol, we got to understand it's a process. It's not a one-day thing. It's going to take time. It's going to take a process, but we can't give up. Same way people who uh, exercise. I mean, a lot of people want to go to the gym, and then when they realize, that, hey, I have to do this more than once a, a week, once a month, and I have to put time in and effort. Same thing that it comes with recovery. Because we got to remember, we didn't become an addict overnight. It wasn't one day. It took years and years for us to perfect the fact and to get as bad as we were. At the same time, it's going to take that time for us to recover and to get our life back in, how would you say, in a structural way. Because that's one thing that's helped me out with my process. You know, I mean, every day I get up and I thank God for letting me, uh, having me there that day. And I thank God for the people he's placed around me. Because like they say, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes more than one person to change your life. You have to have people there. I have people that I talk to. I don't have a sponsor, but I have church brothers that I talk to. And I talk to them about anything. I mean, I talk to them about keeping myself sober. I talk to them about my life. I, I ask for advice on marriage. I mean, because now I'm married. I, I continuously work to make myself better. The same way I did it every day to make myself, to get in that place, I realized I have to work on this every day. And I don't want to say that I'm going to be an addict the rest of my life, but I'm going to be a recovering addict. Because the day that you think that you got it all taken care of, that you don't got to work on anymore, you don't got to pray, you don't got to try to seek God, or better yet, just keep yourself focused, is the day you'll fall and stumble. So it's kind of like an ongoing thing. Like you, you got to keep it ongoing and have the mentality that, you know, it's something you have to work on every day. And it makes sense. Just like working out, like you mentioned, the same thing with working out. You can't work out for, for months and years and expect to have the same body if you stop working out. So same thing with yeah. the mind. You know, you have to continue working on your mind and telling yourself certain things in order to continue this recovery process. Pretty, It's pretty interesting um, how working out physically and working out mentally kind of go hand to hand. You just can't expect to be okay one day and that's it, I'm done. I don't have to work out. I can eat all the junk food I want to eat and I can wait. But I, I could totally see where that's where that's coming from. So about the, the brothers that help you, the, the you know, the, the Christian brothers that, that helped you out, um, did they also go through the same thing as you? Like, like were they recover, a recovery addicts or did they went through, through something similar? Yes, uh, quite a few of them have the, the same story as I do. Basically, uh, a few of them are deported, but most of them, they had something in their life uh, they had to get out of it. And most of them are recovering addicts. When I seek their advice, I mean, also I seek their fellowship too, because we have to remember something. Uh, there's a saying, when I went to NA, uh, they say, hey, if you go to a barbershop enough times, you will get a haircut. So I try to keep myself surrounded by good people. I don't, I mean, I go out, we go out to evangelize and uh, we talk to people that we see, you know, someone's having a bad time and I try to give them advice on, uh, First, on life, you know, that, hey, you don't have to be an addict. And two, you can change your life because a lot of people think that, you know what, 
this person's an addict, always going to be, be an addict, never going to be a good person. So uh, I can't trust them. No, you have to have some trust, but it takes a while to gain people's trust. Like my family for the longest time, they loved me and they supported me when all through my addiction there. But at the same time, I mean, I don't want to, you know, they didn't hide their purses when I came in their house. But at the same time, after a while, you got to quit. You quit believing a person who's constantly lying because that's what you find yourself when you're an addicted. You're lying, not just to them, but you're lying to yourself. And I've regained their respect. First of all, that's the, one of the greatest things I, I feel about being a recovered addict. But two, also gained their trust. And now I've become a good person in life where I have structure in my life. I work. I've been at the same job for more than five years. I've moved up to manager. I actually own a vehicle now. And when I mean own it, uh, a good vehicle where I constantly make payments. I have insurance. A lot of people don't have that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's one thing. And then uh, it's like uh, I, I have a full tank of gas whenever I need it. Because back in the days, I remember when I was addicted, I had a car where I wanted to put $3 in gasoline in it. And I'd ride it. If I had a flat tire, it take me a week to get it changed. And just certain things like that that just you weren't happy about. Uh, I know when I was single, I was a single man there. There'd be times when I get paid and I have to think, wow, am I going to buy drugs or am I going to buy groceries? Now it feels good to go inside the grocery store. And uh, a few times, I mean, you're not supposed to, uh, how you say it, a blessing is you do something and not talk about it and want to get glory for it. But there's been times when I've been in the grocery store and I see someone struggling and I try to pay a little bit forward. I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't buy them three, four hundred dollars worth of groceries, but maybe 10, 20. And then they look surprised. And I said, you know what? I know what you're going through. I, uh, I've been there before. And I'm talking about people who are actually hardworking people who are trying to make ends meet. Because nowadays it's everything's expensive. And but I'm glad I'm glad where God has put me. But at the same time, it's good that I learned to do stuff like that. I mean, that's one thing when I was going through recovery that I learned about bank accounts, being uh, accountable for things, especially with my job. I mean, I'm very accountable to what I do. It feels good to hand people their own paychecks. Yeah. Before, when it'd be like someone handed me a paycheck, and sometimes they'd hand me an envelope with a bunch of uh, slips where uh, I was getting advances, I didn't feel too great. But now I help people out, I give them their paycheck, and some good job, and it feels good. You know, going back to to when you when you decided like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna change, or I'm gonna stop this addiction. How did you make that decision? How did that come about? Well, I found myself one more time in trouble a little bit with the law, but not only that. I had run out of I had run out of options because, of course, my family was helping me, and one of my family members said, "You know what? We're done. We are done." And at the same time, I wanted to to once again make reconnections because I do have two daughters, and for the longest time, I was an absent father due to the fact that I was on drugs or incarcerated, and I wanted to get them back in my life. And speaking of them, when I first tried to make contact with them, I was almost towards the end of my addiction. But at the same time, they did not want to give me the opportunity or did not want to, how you say it, confide too much in, in once again, dad's going to let us down. So one of the times I had a, a good conversation with one of them, they told me, you know what, it's going to take us time. 
because of all the years that you weren't there. And I understood at first I was hurt, but that's one of the reasons also that I wanted to finally get changed was because I wanted that reconnection with them. Cause uh, by this time my daughters had gotten married. One of them did and they were starting a family and they told me one of the main things about allowing me back in their lives is they wanted to be, have trust in me and one more, and didn't want me to just, uh, how you say it, drop the ball again. Okay. So it took me a while, and I'm saying these last five years has been a, has been a work in progress, and every day it gets better. But at the same time, I had to regain their confidence, and I just wanted I wanted to change. I was really tired of being that person, is because when you're addicted and you're high, you don't think about tomorrow. You think about the moment, like you say, I'm high. I'm feeling good. It's party, party, party. And then eventually the you come down. And the things, one of the things about being on drugs is when you come down, all your problems get 10 times worse. You magnify them. It's like a, someone who's uh, who's drunk. At the time they're drunk, they're not thinking, hey, I didn't pay the rent. And then the next day when you sober up and the landlord's knocking on your door, that's when you come to like your senses. Same thing with drugs. Once you're off the drugs, you realize, you know what? I've made a mess in my life. And, you know, like they say, you know, you, I'm standing there looking at the man in the mirror. When you're off drugs and you're sober, you realize how far you've fallen. Because, I mean, nobody wants to be nobody wants to be a loser. And then when you're sober, you realize how much you lost. Not that you're a loser, but how much you lost and how much damage you've done. Because a lot of times when someone is in addiction, we hurt ourselves. Like I hurt my health and I've hurt my status, like uh, let's say financially and all that. But the worst thing I done was hurt people, hurt relationships, hurt people with trust and uh, basically, you know, let people down. And I was tired of doing that. Okay. So it looks like you had like a change of heart, you know, you were tired of hurting yourself, hurting people. And, and you know, it looks like it sounds like you know for most people it, it's a lot to take in it's a lot of like a lot of guilt you know you carry around around yeah. you and say you know i I messed up and um speaking to other people in the past you know that's a guilt seems to be something very hard to get over um I, I i mean i could you know people have told me that so what what made you not carry that guilt with you uh, for a long time because I, I know people carry burdens and like oh man i messed up like 10 years ago or because of this or because of that, um, what what has helped you to like get rid of that guilty feeling or, or that guilt? Giving it all to God, just letting it go. Because I know God has forgiven me for my sins. And like this says, you know, you got to first ask for forgiveness. Then you have to forgive yourself. That's one thing I, I worked a lot on, forgiving myself, because I used to beat myself up sometimes. And I speak to my wife and she says, you know what? You have to let it go. Speaking with my about my children, sometimes I would get mad and frustrated. I mean, I wouldn't lash out on them, but I be, I become real somber when I would reach out to them, and sometimes they wouldn't answer me right away. And my wife would say, "Yeah, you have to give them time." And so one of the reasons I realized, you know, I need to give them time was because they have a family, and sometimes they're they don't answer your call right away. And also, and then after I had to think about it. They're, way, they're in a way different time zone. They're halfway across the world. So they might be asleep or they're busy. So I can't get upset when I don't get that instant gratification there. 
But the thing is, you just have to, you know, leave it to God and God's hands and let it go because eventually things are going to change if you keep going forward. But you can't ex you can't escape, uh, accept or expect everything to be right away. It doesn't work that way. Uh, but what you're saying there, too, is true about people that get down and get the guilt thing. The reason why I say that is I've lost a few people that I've known in my life through drugs. And some of the OD'd because, uh, first of all, they had quit. And when they tried to go back to using drugs, thought they could use the same uh, tolerance level. That was wrong. Or some got too high. And that burden, like you say, that guilt worked on them so much that they took their own lives. They overdosed. And I think they some of them that overdosed purposely did it because they couldn't live with the pain of, uh, of feeling alone. It, it, it's, it's a dark world where people go and you have to have first, you got to have a good mentality that, Hey, you know what? I'm going to get through this. And then also some people there just don't want to put the work in. And I, I put the work in every day. Like I said, I get up, my, my daily routine is I get up five o'clock in the morning, five 30. I, I say a small prayer. I walk my dogs. I spend some time with my wife before I go to work. We read, we discuss the, the word of God, and then I go to work and start focusing my mind to do work and just, you know, life's going to be good. At the end of the day, I kind of like recap my day. Uh, of course, I spend some time more with my wife. We pray before we go to bed, but it's, every day is a challenge. And every day I want to make myself better, but every day is a new day because not every day is promised to us. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. Not every day is promised and we have to take advantage and, and, you know, um, do the best that we can every day in our lives. And, um, for someone that you, you talked about guilt and, and you, you, you know, you talk about leave, uh, let it go, give it to God, you know, God will help you out. How do you let it go? Like if someone's struggling right now, right? Let's say someone's listening right now and they have so much guilt, they're ready to change, but you know, they're so ashamed about what happened in the past. They're like, oh my God, I cannot believe I did that. What is the first step to be like, you know what? Like, let it go. Like, how do you let it go? In other words. Okay, well, first thing first is the person's got to recognize their problem. Like you say, there's people there who want to change, but some really don't want to. And they think, oh, it's just for the moment they, they feel bad. No, you got to really want that change to recognize it. Just like we were talking earlier about exercise. I mean, some people uh, say, oh, man, I'm fat when they look in the mirror. Well, do you want to make it? Do you want to change that? Do you really want to change that? Then the next day, get up early in the morning, start exercising, push yourself back from that food. Well, at the same time, if you want to change, you have to really want to change and uh, like for me, it was God. I went to that, uh, the, let's call it what it is, a church a rehab that was ran by a church. And the first day I showed up there, they told me, you have to be ready for this because all we have here is beans and rice and Jesus Christ. We're not going to uh, give you any kind of medication because there's some rehabs that try to wing you off drugs by giving you a different drug. Uh, let's say the heroin. Uh, they give you methadone. Well, there at the rehab, I used to see men come in and cry because the heroin is a physical thing and that make your body hurts. Meth 
it give what meth does for someone that's used it, it gives you you don't feel like doing anything. You want to sleep. That's fine. They let you sleep about three, four days, eat as much as you want. But then after that, you have to start working that mind and opening that mind. Because uh, meth, to me, what it does, it, it changes your thought process. Or all you want to think about is the drug. Or basically, in the medical terms, meth, what it does, it opens up your endorphins and gets you, makes you want to feel good. That's what it does. And, and uh, that's what it does. That's what the doctors say it does. And I understand that because you get a depressing. You get depressed. You have to find something that you want to motivate you in your life. It's something good. To me, what I used was God, but not just God. I used the idea that I want to get my family back. And also through God, it says, you know, let him transform your body and your mind to a new thought process. And basically that tells you, if I want to have my family back in my life, I have to show them that I'm a better person. Just let them see my example. You know, being being in the in the rehab where you were at 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 the, at the at the it was a church rehab, right? Yes. So the people that are there, they're probably they were probably ex addicts too, right? They were addicts before, and then they, yeah. they you think that's beneficial to the person who wants to, you know, um, stop the addiction, like to talk. And get support from people who actually know what what it is to be an addict. You know, do you think that's more more helpful for the person for recovery? Yes, it is. I, I don't get me wrong. It, it, this is not a feel good story because while I was going through that rehab, uh, there must have been, let's say, seventy men that came through there, came and went, and did not accomplish what they wanted to. It's not, uh, you know, it's not everybody that goes to, to a rehab works themselves out, even if it's a Christian rehab or a worldly one. Not everyone is a success story. In fact, some people that I know that went through there uh, went back out and used and died. And then some people went back out and used and came back and went back. And they're just playing that game, the Mayana game. Like tomorrow, I'll get it tomorrow's not promised and that's what happens in fact uh i have a brother that i love and right now he's going through a rehab it's a worldly rehab in arizona and i talked to him and i told him hey you have to want to quit and he tells me he does i hope he changes and i hope it, it works for him but um it's not that i'm counting against him but i don't see him wanting change because, I mean, that's one thing about, you know, people that are addicts or ex-addicts, uh, we can kind of see someone when they want to change. And you have to really want to change because no one can do it for you. Just like, you know, we go back to the, the working out thing. No one can do your sets or no one can, uh, if they have, if you need someone behind you constantly pushing you, then that means that, you know what, you're not going to do it on your own. So that refer, that reverts back to what I was talking about. Since I've been out uh, five years almost, uh, of course, when I was in rehab, I used to go out and work, and uh, it was good. I would go work and help uh, fund the the rehab. And then once I graduated and I was done, I was on my own. I would work and I lived on my own, and that that also brings to to now. When I leave my house every morning. No one's with me in that car. 
I could stop and, and, and buy some drugs if I wanted to, no one would know. Eventually, someone would know. My wife would know. She would, uh, she would check me on it. But the thing is, that's what something, that's what builds me up uh, with God and also going through that Christian rehab was the character thing. When no one's around, what are you, what are you doing? What are you actually like? I mean, not someone can always hold your hand. So eventually that that's what people go through when they graduate the rehabs or they check out of the rehabs or uh, they leave their house and no one's behind them. It's the same way. Like I know your, your personal life at four 30 in the morning, ain't nobody there, but Renee, Renee that gets up and let's go work out Renee. Hey, I got to go to work or Renee. I'm going to do some studying. That is you. That's a character thing. And that's where a lot of people have that mistake that, you know what I mean? Uh, the church is going to help me. Uh, God's always going to be there, but God, you have to do it yourself. You have to put that work in yourself. That's good that you say that too. Cause I, I think sometimes we, we depend on others to, um, to do the work for us. And then when it doesn't work out, we blame them and reality exactly. is within us. But it, it's, it's hard. It, it's a hard, you know, it's a hard thing to do because sometimes like, you know, going through things, sometimes we don't feel like, for example, me, I don't feel like getting up at 430 every morning and work out. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get up. But I know there's something that I, I have to do and that I must do in order to for me to be healthy. I have to work out every day. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's hard. There's times that I don't want to. And yeah, there's times that I feel like I have to get motivated because you know, life gets in the way, you know, maybe something happened the night before, maybe uh, I was upset about, you know, life happens. And sometimes carrying that burden with you the next day, it's it's difficult. And sometimes we don't want to get up. Sometimes we don't want to play, you know, we don't want to play the game of life, right. But we have to push ourselves and we have to want it. You know, we have to want to do things in order to get, get things done. And it's, it's difficult, you know, and, and, and it's just with, with everything, you know, it's like, it's like, what are you doing when no one's watching? You know, that's kind of, and, and that's where your true character comes out. You know, I, I come out, work out every day. And, you know, at first it was difficult. At first it was difficult to get up at 430, but I was like, you know, that's the only time that I get to work out without any interruptions. And I don't have to come home from work and worry about it. Like I just get out of the way. And, and it took a few months to get used to, but I got, I really wanted it. Honestly, I really wanted to work out. So I'm assuming that that's what it is with everything. Like you have to want it, you know, regardless of what you have to sacrifice. I'm sacrificing about an hour, maybe an hour and a half of sleep, being in warm blankets or <laughs> being under the fan, you know, when it's hot, but I, I really wanted it. And, um, but sorry, I, I got sidetracked there for a bit, but back no, to no, you. No, 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 no. Back to you. So going back five years, when you first made that decision, like, hey, you know what? I want to change. And where you're at now, did you ever picture like this is going to happen to you like you know you're, you're blessed for now you know you, you're you have a job you know you say you have a car bank account you know you're in management now you have a house you know you got married did you ever think that that was going to be like there for you not i didn't i didn't dream my life was going to be as good as it is but at the same time i don't take it for granted but uh like you say we have to desire things in our life for us to want to make that change. But no, uh, when, when I first started the, the process of getting sober, all I really wanted was to gain respect of my family. Because, I mean, uh, when I say respect, is for them to think of you as in a different way. I don't mean respect like the Godfather, oh, give me respect. No, yeah. no. The respect of your family actually believing in what you say. 
because that's a big thing with me now. I mean, I'm a very, if you tell me something, I expect it to be the truth. I mean, and, and when I talk to people, I say, hey, just, just tell me what exactly, I mean, you don't got, like, with work, with, when I deal with people, I've had people say, hey, can I get a, I, I need advance, or can I get a loan, a personal thing, you know, it's like, I really don't, I don't ask them what they're, I mean, exactly what they want it for, but you want to believe, if someone says, hey, I'm having trouble with my rent, okay, I mean, I, I can I can see what I can do. I can help you out. I can see by getting your paycheck advance, or when someone tells me that they're having a problem in their life, and I mean I can understand, but I mean that's the main thing because at the end of the day, a lot of times you know we all heard, heard that expression. All I have is my word, and that means a lot. I mean, especially to a man, is your word because for the longest time, my word wasn't worth anything. Because half the time it was the truth, you know, there's a saying, believe nothing that you hear, only half of what you see. And, uh, but now everything I, I speak and what I do is the truth. If someone doesn't believe it, that's okay with me. They will see in due time. But yeah, that's what I wanted. And of course, we all want the best out of our own lives. But when I decided to get sober, I didn't. I didn't do it to gain all the stuff that I've gained. All that came in time. And at the same time, I didn't want to rush any of that. Slowly but surely, everything fell into line. But at the same time, we all to baby steps. One day at a time, one step at a time. And you keep going forward and forward. At the same time, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like, hey, I made it. I have all this. Because, you know, there's also a saying, too, what's it worth? for a man to gain the world and lose the soul. So I, I, I'm i I'm grateful for God's place in my life, but at the same time, I don't take it for granted because, you know, if I was to lose something, you know what I mean? Uh, if I was, if the car is just a car, I mean, we could always get another one about that, but I'm not going to go wreck myself either because something you touched on earlier, when people want to blame something else, that's why I did that. I, it doesn't matter to me what happens I don't want to go backwards. I mean, I've lost family members to COVID like most people, but I didn't say, oh, that's the reason to go get high. Or I've had a bad day at work or I had an argument with my wife. That's not a reason to go back to use drugs. I mean, and that's where a lot of people, they use that crutch. We have to throw those crutches away and learn to stand on our own. Yeah, you know, and that's really tough because like, um, I know, I know, I know what you're talking about. Like when, when something bad happens, you're like, oh man, I need to go get that instant gratification. I don't feel good right now, but by doing this, I'm going to, I'm going to feel better for like an hour or two or whatever. And it's really hard because sometimes when you take that addiction away, you're like, you're going through a rough time. You're like, okay, I can't go back to that. I know that I can't go back to that because if I go back to that addiction, I'm going to fall back down. It's not going to be worth it. I have to start all over again. I don't want to go through it. And that's right. That's really tough. That's really tough because I had a bad habit of smoking tobacco anytime something bad happened. I would stress out, smoke a cigarette, smoke a cigarette, smoke a cigarette. But then, you know, my body was like, you know what, dude, you're done. You can't smoke any more cigarettes. You're done. And um, even now, uh, 10 years later, you know, I get stressed out. And first thing I think about, man, I wish I had a cigarette, but I, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't smoke. I don't smoke the cigarette, but it's my body still craves it. But then I'm thinking, why am I going to do it? Because right after I smoke, I'm not going to feel good. I'm going to smell. And then when I try working out, I'm not going to be able to do the whole cardio thing. And I'm going to run out of breath. 
but it's really, it's, it's kind of interesting how sometimes the body may desire that, that bad habit just so you can feel better for, or to release those endorphins. So that's a bad habit of mine since I was younger. And now that I'm older, it's still there, but I don't, I don't, Sundays it's easy to be like, no, I'm not going to do it. But there's times that I'm like, oh man, I really want to go just buy a pack and just smoke one cigarette. But then I'm like, no, I don't want to go. I'm good. Yes, yeah. hard. And it's, it's, it's a, it's not an everyday battle, but I, I could, you know, I can see how it affects some people. It, it can affect some people who have been addicts in the past, how sometimes the body crazy, but like, no, like I got this under control. I control it. It doesn't control me. And that takes, that takes a lot of work, man. Seriously. That, that takes, a oh, lot yeah. of work. it takes a lot of work. So I'm glad that people have support because I think without that support, they, there wouldn't be, I, I, I'm just glad that people have the support. Because I think without the support, um, we wouldn't be as strong as we are right now fighting. Of course. You know, the, the we, we, we all need somebody there. And, and it's not just, you know, that we need somebody, but we need a support group. And that's where a lot of people, that's where they fail. Uh, of course, you know, there's another saying in there, you know, uh, what's called those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Because you have to have a plan. Whatever it is, I mean... Use my plan, you know, I think it's the best, Jesus Christ, but you could also do another plan. You could do NA, you could do a support group like you're talking about. You could reach out to a counselor. You could have a, a sponsor like they do in NA, but you have to have something. You can't try to do this on your own because that's where we fail. When we try to do everything on our own, we, we tend, it becomes too much because we, once again, we didn't become the way we were overnight. It took us a long time to get as bad as we were. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, all all good teams have a support group. I mean. Yeah, I know. And I agree with that too as well. So um, before we wrap it up, someone's listening out there and it's like, like I said, like on the fence, like they want to change, you know, what's the, some good advice that you give out to that person? Uh, what was something you would tell them? I would tell them, look out there to someone who you can see what they have that you want. In other words, if you know someone who has beat an addiction, reach out to them. Just ask them for advice. Or if you don't know no one, you know what I mean? Uh, personally, seek someone. Seek something out. Uh, a meeting. Uh, uh, go to your church. I mean, you could talk to someone there. Reach out to someone like you who's a motivational person there because that's the thing, you know, like the motivational speakers, the reason they work is first, they have their, their stuff together. But second of all, people come to hear them. I mean, if you never go to hear someone give you a different insight on life, you're always going to have that same vision. They're looking forward. It's like the, the horse. Look at the horses with the blinders on. The reason they have the blinders on so they don't see another way and they only see forward, but they got you You forget there's a jockey behind them guiding them. So if you ain't got someone to guide you, then you need to find someone out there. Uh, reach out to a family member that you have confidence in and confide and tell them, hey, you know what? I have a drug problem. I have a drinking problem. I have a gambling problem. I have a, an addiction to porn or something. Whatever your problem is, Find someone, let it out of your, uh, off your chest, confess. You know what I mean? In, in, in the back to, uh, in God, you know, it says you must confess with your mouth, your sins to have 
you know, God forgive you. Well, the same thing. You have to confess with your mouth that you have a problem to somebody, anybody. Okay. You know, that's really true. And I want to add, um, when I, I've gone to um, AA meetings before um, to support other people, of course, and whatever it says there stays there. But, you know, it's really amazing how, how people support each other in those meetings. Like exactly. I've never felt so much positivity. Like aside from church for the churches, the, the services that I've been to just feel so positive, especially when they say, Hey, come as you are, Like you don't have to exactly. pretend you're perfect. Like come, come, whoever you are, just come. But with the AA meetings, it was just felt so peaceful. I, I mean, aside from the coffee and the donuts that I saw there, <laughs> but the people were there were like really awesome. And most of these people look, they're from different walks of life. They were, they were honest. They were sharing their story. They were saying like, Hey, this happened, that happened. But it's just, I, even though I wasn't an alcoholic, I just felt so peaceful. Cause like, man, it's like, they don't judge. It's like, they're, they're there to don't. help out. And it's like, it's like a, a passion of them to help out other people. And I really liked it. Um, but you know, I only went to, to support another person that, that went there. And of course I was respectful. I, I, you know, I didn't talk, but it was really amazing. Like the positivity that comes in that, in those meetings, it's not fake. Like it's, they're there to support. Oh, no. It's there to support. And I love that. And I love talking to people who are in recovery because they just seem so full of life. Like, so full of like exactly. positivity. I'm like, exactly. wow, this is amazing. Those people that go to meetings, they're the ones who finally wanted that change. So, you know, they stripped down all the, you know, all the negativity out of their life and went there. And, and you know, how to say, you earnestly have to ask for help. You can't be ashamed because you know what? They tell you, don't be ashamed because we were there once too. I I went to those meetings and they helped me too. I spoke to people, but the only reason it didn't take was because I didn't, I didn't want it at the end of the day. I wasn't making that true commitment. And you have to make that true commitment because if you just go here and there, you're not going to make it. You have to, however you want to change your life, you have to work on it every day. Every yeah. day you got to work on it and never take it for granted that you've, uh, that you, you're, you're at the top of the mountain because you'll fall. And mm -hmm. I, I don't take my life for granted either. I work on it every day. And, you know, I seek out advice, but also I surround myself with good people. And right there, the reason you felt good at those meetings was because there was positivity in, the, in that room. There was positive people. There wasn't people being negative. And that's one thing, too. When you see someone wanting help, you can't be negative because, you know what? They're at the most, how you say it, vulnerable. Yeah, and that's that's true. But um, you know, I I want to thank you so much for coming here and sharing your story about, you know, your your life and, and you know it it. I hope my my goal is to always help people, um, to help people with um, giving them like hope, giving them like um, different people's stories. That way they know like there's there's help out there. That way they know like. It could be for educational purpose. It could be for like, hey, you know what? I want to make the change or this person did it. I could do it too. But I, I, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come talk to me for a bit and letting me know that about your story. Um, anything else that you would like to add before we, we wrap it up? Uh, I want to thank you for having me on here. Uh, it helps me because it keeps me grounded and uh, makes me understand too that I have to pay it forward in the sense of help people because someone helped me and told me about well, I could change my life at being my sister there. So my way to tell people also, there's a way, you know, there's gods out there, but it's not just gods out there. 
that can help you out. There's people, your family, because I mean, at the end of the day, all we have is our family that really, that not just depends on us, but also, how you say, needs us. That and I have true. my support group also, my wife. I, I Every day I thank her because, I mean, for a long time, I thought I was the unlovable because yeah. I just, uh, I had done so much damage out there and let so many people down that, you know, want someone that believes in me every day for no other reason but because they love me. Yeah, and that's that's great. And uh, <laughs> it's so good to hear that. All right, well, thanks a lot, Rick.